Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode number 18 of the Movement as Medicine podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Carr, and I am solo today. No Brendan Rerick. Um, I apologize for our layoff. We've been off for a couple weeks here. Uh, both Brendan and myself have had a number of things going on. Brendan in the throes of preseason football outside, out there in uh, California. They start their season in mid-August, so he is out there sweltering and suffering in the 100-degree heat uh, taking the team through preseason. So he's a little bit tied up. Hopefully he'll be back in the next week or so. And for myself, uh, my wife recently just gave birth to our wonderful daughter on June 14th, Kendall Lisa Carr, coming in at a stout eight pounds, one ounce and 21 inches. So uh, I've been a little bit busy uh, taking care of her, but we're getting back on track here. And um, this is going to be my first solo cast, and I really wanted to use this opportunity to talk about kind of my story in the fitness industry. And hopefully those of you listening, especially young coaches, might be able to take something away from this, um, hopefully some lessons that um, you could learn from mistakes that I've made or successes that I've had to help make your journey a little bit smoother and hopefully help build your success in the fitness industry. Before we dive into that, I just want to let you know we have a whole bunch of great episodes coming up over the next few weeks. I have some great interviews that I've done with some friends in the fitness industry, people who I think are really interesting to talk to from different corners of the fitness industry, people from MBFC, people um, with different certification companies, people I've worked with in the past. So um, hopefully to make up for some of our lack of production over the next few weeks, I'm going to really give you a lot of really great stuff. So stay tuned for that. So I kind of want to just dive in from the very beginning and talk about kind of how I ended up here um, in my position at Mike Boyle Strength and Conditioning with Movement as Medicine, with Certified Functional Strength Coach. I'm going to rewind it all the way back to the beginning to when I started out. This had to be back in 2006 or so. Um, I was working at Gold's Gym, good old Gold's Gym. I think everybody probably had one uh, back in their neck of the woods back in the day. There was Gold's Gym everywhere. Um, I think that's where a lot of people probably first learned to lift weights or somewhere similar. I was working at the front desk, um, pretty much just working there so I could work out for free. I had an interest in strength and conditioning and personal training. I was working the desk. I'd just taken my ACE personal training exam uh, at the time I had taken it. I remember the morning after uh, my senior prom. Yeah, so that tells you kind of how seriously I took that uh, ACE personal training exam that I did pass, by the way, at about 18 years old. And I was just kind of working at Gold's, doing my thing. And I was just like any other kid at that age. I, I was a meathead. I wanted to try to get as jacked as possible. I pretty much just picked my workouts out of, you know, the, the muscle and fitness of the month. So, you know, whatever Jay Cutler was doing, whatever Ronnie Coleman was doing, that's what I did for my workout. You know, the leg blast, the chest blast. I'd use the pec deck. Uh, I'd use the chest press machine. I'd use the leg press. I'd run the circuit pretty much on all the machines. I really had no idea what I was doing. Um, but I was working really hard and I was having fun doing it. And one day, I see this guy uh, who was actually an independent contractor 
and he was training people at the gym. His name was Clark Evans, and I always want to give Clark a shout-out because he really set me on the right path uh, to where I am now. And so um, if you're a young coach out there and you see someone who seems to know a little bit more than you, um, seems to be doing the things that you want to do. He had a real busy personal training schedule at the gym at the time. Um, listen to them uh, because un unbeknownst to me at the time, Clark really kind of set me out on the path that I am on now. And I'm looking over watching Clark do his own workout. And I see him doing things like uh, single leg squats and single leg deadlifts and uh, chin-ups and split squats and hang cleans, all this stuff that I really didn't know how to do. I, I was really a machine guy. Maybe I'd use a little free weights, but I certainly wasn't doing anything on one leg. And I wasn't doing anything that made me look like I was an athlete or train like an athlete. And you know, I said to Clark, I said, hey, what are you doing? And he told me, he said, oh, you know, I'm just doing this program. I asked him where he learned it. And he said, I just did this mentorship with this guy, Michael Boyle. And I had no idea who Michael Boyle was. Uh, but lo and behold, MBSC was really only about 40, 45 minutes away from where I grew up in Maynard, Massachusetts. Um, and he's like, I just did this mentorship with this guy, Mike, and he's the strength and conditioning coach for Boston University men's hockey. And he has this gym where he trains professional athletes and college athletes. It's amazing. I did a one-week mentorship. I learned so much. And at the same time, I just applied to go to kinesiology, uh, kinesiology undergrad program at UMass Amherst with the idea that, you know, maybe I'll be a physical therapist one day. I didn't really see a job. I didn't really think of a job as being just a personal trainer as a strength coach. I certainly didn't know what a strength and conditioning coach was. Um, but I figured, hey, I'll get a kinesiology degree and maybe I'll use that to help me go to physical therapy school uh, so I can build a career there. And what Clark said, he goes, well, you're 18 years old. You're going to go to school for kinesiology. You're kind of a newly clueless personal trainer at the time. He goes, you should apply for an internship. They have internships at this gym. And so, you know, sometimes being a little naive is good. I just filled out the application on their website and never looked back. And I went in for my interview. I remember I, I was all nervous. I you know, I had my suit on, my tie. I remember my dad telling me, make sure you wear a tie. Make sure you look professional. <laughs> and I go walking in MBSC. And if anyone's ever been to our gym, uh, there's nobody in a suit and a tie for sure. I came walking to the gym all dressed up, stuck out like a sore thumb. And I remember uh, Adrian Norris, who worked in our office at the time, I didn't know her then, said, oh, you must be an, an intern that's here for an interview. So uh, lesson, if you go for an interview, just dress up, even if you, you're not going to fit in. Um, and she sent me over to Steve Bunker, who, who did my interview. And Steve looked me up and down, uh, coming off the floor in between uh, training some of his clients. And he said, oh, good, you dressed up. You got the, you got the position. <laughs> and then he proceeded to take me on a tour around the gym. And it was a, a big weight lifted off my sh shoulders. Um, but in that moment, looking around the gym and I seeing – you know, all these coaches, these professional coaches who were working at the gym at the time, training athletes, training personal training clients. It was a whole world I didn't really know existed. I didn't really know what fitness was like outside of your typical commercial gym. I didn't know that there were training-based facilities like what we have at MBSC. And I immediately fell in love with the environment before I even started, just right there on my interview day. And um, that threw me right into that, that internship um, that upcoming summer. 
And it was a completely life-changing experience for me. I uh, was thrown into an environment with people who were passionate about the same things that I were. And I was completely clueless, so I could really soak it up uh, like a sponge. And, you know, one thing I would tell people if they're going to get into this industry is surround yourself um, with people who can show you the potential for what you want to be. Um, the environment that you start to learn in, especially initially as you enter any new industry or any new phase of your life, is really going to set a foundation for where your potential is going forward. Um, think of this, me at the time, I think I was 19 when I really actually started my internship, um, completely clueless again. And I was spending, you know, 12, 14 hours a day, Monday through Thursday in the summer, surrounded by people who had a ton of experience, uh, people like Mike Boyle, people like Steve Bunker, people like Nicole Rodriguez, people like Jamie Rodriguez, Josh Bonatal, Dan Gableman, the list could really go on forever of people who, um, I got thrust into, uh, this experience at MBSC. Like we often say, when you're an intern, you're kind of drinking from a fire hose, but I really, I really soaked it up and, uh, looking at these people who were coaches surrounding me, um, I was learning nonstop all day to the point where it was really kind of mentally and physically exhausting, but I saw the potential of what I could do for a career for the first time in my life. And I saw these people doing this every day. Um, and I thought, I can't believe that this is what I'm going to get to do for a living. Um, and when you're in an environment of people who are really, really passionate about what they do, um, it allows you to be passionate as well. Um, never underestimate the value of surrounding yourself with amazing, positive people who, who share the same love and excitement about whatever it is that you do. And don't underestimate the negative impact of surrounding yourself with negative people or people who aren't passionate about what they do. I think that I was very fortunate that um, from day one, I ended up at a place like Mike Boyle's Strength Conditioning. And I know a lot of people in this industry maybe aren't quite as lucky. They don't have the, aren't as fortunate to have those same types of opportunities where they get to learn on the ground floor with people who are probably doing a really good job at what they do, are really good people, and are really passionate. Um, there's a book that I always recommend to people called The Genius in All of Us by, uh, I think it's Daniel Schenk. And he has this idea that um, people's potential is essentially their genetics times their environment. And I wouldn't say that I am a naturally intelligent or a gifted or smart person. I, I like to think I, I'm probably average. Uh, I like to think that I work hard, but I will say with all certainty that where I am now in the industry is 100% uh, percent a result of the environment that I spent my formative years are in, in this industry. And so if you're a young person and you're listening to this, Go find somewhere, uh, even if you're not going to be making as much money, even if you're going to be interning, even if um, you have to make some sacrifices over the first few years of your career, find an environment that is going to multiply your potential long term. So go back to the idea. It's genetics times environment, not genetics plus environment. Your environment that you're working in and learning in can really be a multiplier uh, for your potential. They always say, look at the five people that you spend the most time with. So if you're listening to this right now, close your eyes 
and think about the people that you spend the most time with your friends, your family, your coworkers. Think about the five people you're surrounded with the most. And if you think about, you know, their happiness, their financial success, um, their career success, uh, their work ethic, all the things that might define them, you know, as people and average those out amongst those five people, you're probably looking at yourself. You're probably looking at yourself back in the mirror. And I can say pretty confidently because I surrounded myself with the right people early on, I was able to maximize my potential. Whereas I said, I'm probably average five. If you were to take me to one out of 10 on a natural intelligence scale, I'm probably a five and that might be generous. Um, but the hard work and the environment that I was surrounded by maximize my potential based on the environment. So if you're a young coach, I always say the number one thing you should do is seek out working and internship opportunities. They're going to allow you to maximize your floor because if you start a little bit higher, your ceiling will probably be a little bit higher. And I think about like the first five years of my career or so, like I said, when I first started my internship, I was learning from people like Nicole Rodriguez, who went on to Exos and is now working um, with a professional soccer organization over in Poland. Or people like Jamie Rodriguez, who went on to work in the NHL and is with Exos. People like Josh Bonital, who worked at uh, Purdue um, and worked with the Chicago Bulls and is now uh, running Future uh, online trading company. People like Dan Gableman, who are at Union College. People like Devin McConnell, who are at uh, the Phoenix Coyotes and the list goes on. These are all people who were, you know, in their twenties, they were early in their career, but they were much more experienced than me. Um, and thinking back, I think, wow, what a gift that was to be surrounded by people who are passionate. And that doesn't even mention people like Mike, uh, people like Mike Boyle, who, you know, has really been a huge mentor and source of inspiration for me in my career, because, you know, they always say, if you, if there's something you want, find somebody um, who you look up to and someone who's doing the things that you want to do and stay close behind them and try to model their behavior and the things that they've done. And that's really, uh, he's really been that for me uh, on a really large scale. Um, and then after those initial few years, meeting someone like Brendan Rerick, for those of you who don't know about Brendan and I's relationship, obviously we've been business partners through things like Movement is Medicine. Certified Functional Strength Coach, MBSC TV, strengthcoach.com, all these things we're doing now. But if you rewind it way back, um, I met Brendan Rerick initially. Uh, we were both at UMass Amherst uh, studying kinesiology. Uh, and, you know, if you've ever been to a campus rec center where there's a bunch of bros working out, you could all obviously imagine there's a lot of testosterone, a lot of sizing each other up in the weight room. And, you know, there's me uh, over in the corner using a foam roller probably the only guy uh, at the campus rec center back in, you know, 2008, I would say, uh, using a foam roller. Uh, typically the average warm up for most guys in the rec center was a couple arm circles, maybe a bodyweight squat or two, and then you, you go onto the machines or you go onto the, the squat rack. Whereas I was, you know, rolling and stretching and going through my active warm up that I learned at NBSC earlier that year. And I see this guy coming, kind of staring at me from a distance. And he walks over and he goes, where'd you learn to use a foam roller? Not the question uh, I was asking. In fact, again, in a campus recreation center with a bunch of uh, hormonally testosterone fueled 20 something year old guys, typically there aren't a lot of conversations going around as much as you just kind of lifting uh, and trying to impress one another. 
And uh, that set off our relationship. Uh, when I told him that I was interning at MBSC, Brendan was uh, interning at a gym nearby, actually, in Woburn at the time. And uh, that set off our friendship there. And little did I know uh, in that initial meeting that this would lead to one, years of friendship, uh, very close friendship, and business partnership. Um, and a guy like him was someone early on in my career that we could work on things together. You're not going to be very confident in you know your first few years of your career, but if you have someone you can work with uh, who can give you uh, some advice or help pick you up when you might be struggling or vice versa, it can be very helpful to make progress. And you know, after you know going through college together and him coming over to MBSC eventually after we graduated, uh, we moved into an apartment together. Um, that we affectionately call the Strength Coach House. This is probably in about 2010, 2011. Uh, it was Brendan, myself, Ana Taco, uh, our good friend, uh, who uh, we also met at UMass, who's now strength and conditioning coach at St. John's Prep in Danvers, as well as Henry Lau, um, who lives down in Providence, Rhode Island, just opened his own gym there. And, you know, it was kind of like strength coach paradise. You know, we were all working a ton of hours. Anybody who has worked in this industry, especially early, knows you're probably, you know, up really early, working really late. So I know we were all pulling 10, 12, 14 hour days at the time. We didn't have very much money. Um, I think, you know, at the time we were all paying about $400, $500 a month in rent, which is really nothing when you think about today's standards. Um, but we all jammed into this house. And our friend Ricky Santola uh, wasn't a strength coach at the time, also was living with us. Um, and to the point where like I lived in a converted living room where I had a curtain over the wall, um, because there wasn't enough bedrooms, but having, you know, five people in that house made the rent a little bit cheaper. And, you know, you look back on those times really fondly, even though I, I wouldn't want to live in that, uh, crappy old house in Medford anymore. Um, however, the amount that we learned, um, the amount of fun that we had, uh, was really foundational to, our careers. You know, we would work all day long, coaching, sweating, tired, but then we would come home and we'd talk about strength and conditioning. Um, we'd go on the weekends, we'd have fun together. We'd build our ideas together. I remember Brennan and I talked a lot about building movement as medicine or opening a gym or starting an education business like we have now. Things that we might have thought at the time were pipe dreams that actually formulate into to real ideas. And so this idea of surrounding yourself with the right tribe, I think is really, really important. Um, because it can be really hard to go into this industry alone. Um, it's a hard business to be in. None of us are really in it because we wanted to make millions of dollars. Um, but you're into it because of passion. And if you're surrounded by people, especially early in that journey, uh, it can really help you to build the confidence and chase the ideas and dreams that you might have. And I, I, I couldn't tell you or understate, uh, the value um, of that experience for us, um, and, and how that's really impacted us going forward. So I think initially the first kind of piece of advice I would lend kind of from those stories is that go head first into opportunities that look like you can surround yourself with the right people. You might want to turn down jobs where you can make more money. I know I had, I know I have repeatedly. I know Brendan has, um, because they probably weren't the right things help me maximize my growth and my potential. And that's not to say that you shouldn't try to make money. You have to. Money presents opportunities. Um, and there's going to be obviously things in the, your career 
um, that you need to pursue from a financial standpoint. But those first five or so formative years where we really weren't making much money, we were working a lot, I would say we 10 x our development um, because of the community of people that we were in. Uh, you work a lot harder when you're surrounded by other passionate people who continue to try to raise the bar, continue to uh, want to pursue something great um, than when you're surrounded by people who don't share those passions or you're doing it on your own. Um, if I know that if I tried to go it on my own, I certainly would not be where I am today. Um, and, you know, in that period, we were working a lot, which kind of, I guess, brings me to my second my second point in that you have to be okay, especially in the fitness industry, whether you're in the private sector, so working at a private facility like ourselves, like Mike Boyle Strength Conditioning or any other private type of training facility or commercial gym, um, or if you're working in a collegiate team-based setting and understand that early on, you're probably going to work a lot and you're probably not going to make a lot of money. And that's okay. I think if you are smart and you're living with roommates like we did, you're saving um, you're really doing a really good job to budget yourself. Um, and I know Brendan has spoken about that a lot, then you can invest a lot of time to learn and grow. And then you're going to be 10 X ahead of where you are down the road. And so I know Brendan has an article that he wrote in the time that we were all living together, uh, over those five years that he paid off his college loans in like the first five years out of college. And he had a lot of a lot of loans. I, I, I'll, we can link the article um, in the show notes. And we notoriously would joke how Brendan's the cheapest person, you know, you know, when we all lived together, he he was like, you know, a middle aged dad had a lock over the thermostat, that thing never went above 50 degrees, um, 365 days a year, we had jackets on in the winter, uh, we split the grocery bill, and it was the food was uh, not particularly uh, anything desirable, but it was what was ever, what was ever cheap and what could feed everybody in the house. Um, but it's be, that is really what allowed us to get through that period. But I'll tell you working, you know, 10, 12, 14 hours a day, a lot over those first few periods, taking clients on the weekends, taking clients at night, um, allowed us to gain a lot of experience in a short period of time. Um, it's like going to an accelerator program. Um, you have to be okay with working a lot. And something I tell all of our young coaches now um, at MBSC that, you know, I guarantee you, if you commit yourself to building your full schedule, working really hard in the early, early years, and understand that you're going to be a little bit tired, you're, you're probably not going to make as much money as you want during the first few years of your career, um, the payoff long term is going to be much better. And I can attest to that uh, personally, that it's been probably the most, one of the more valuable things I did was just kind of stick my nose down to the grindstone um, and keep going. I mean, I could tell you, you think about starting where I started MBSC, we had an internship program at the time. Um, you could either take the option of having uh, housing, or you could take a really small financial stipend. And being someone who grew up in Massachusetts, I didn't need the housing. So I took the small stipend that I pretty much blew through uh, in a month or two, and then went on to start coaching for pay. And at the time, the coaching rate was, was fairly low. Um, and it wasn't until maybe five or six years in that I really felt like, okay, now I'm starting to really save some money. Now I'm really starting to pay off all my student loans. Now I'm really starting to, you know, get ahead 
financially. Um, but I was given an opportunity to coach a lot. Um, and I think that if you can place yourself in a position or at a, a location early on in your career where you can have a lot of coaching opportunities, whether that's an internship, whether that's a sporting facility, even if that's a big box gym, if there's clients, go work there because you can't put a price on the experience. You can't get a, put a price on the um, opportunity to develop skin in the game and to develop experience. And so at that time, I think I was probably coaching, you know, five groups a day of, you know, 10 to 15 athletes plus doing personal training, um, the remaining hours, um, on Monday through Friday, as well as Saturdays, um, taking, uh, camps, uh, with hockey teams, things like that, sometimes on Sundays or at night. Um, so I was getting a ton of experience and then all of a sudden fast forward, I'm, you know, 25, 26 years old and I have a lot of experience under my belt. And, you know, I now looking back, I can't, uh, overstate how valuable, you know, that experience really, really was for me. And with that, with the money that Brent and I were, were starting to make, I remember we immediately said, we want to reinvest anything that we don't need, um, to help pay our bills or support our living expenses. Um, and so if you're a young coach, especially if you're in the private sector, I think you have to be very entrepreneurial and you have to think about investing in yourself. I think that would be the same for someone who works in a team setting, but even more so if you're going to be independent uh, as a contractor or someone who wants to start your own gym, mainly because there's not going to be anyone else there to save you. And so I'll tell you when Brent and I first opened Movement is Medicine, this was in about 2014 that we opened the massage business after we went back to school for massage therapy, we told each other, we said, listen, we're not going to pay each other, uh, for the first year. We're going to take every penny of profit because we are making some money, personal training and doing groups and living pretty sparsely at the time. Uh, we're going to take every penny that we make in this first year and reinvest it back towards education, whether that was us buying books, attending continuing education courses, um, bringing speakers in, we started, we tried to bring people in to talk at the gym. Um, and that was one of the best investments I ever made. I think we, we didn't profit that much. Our first year at movements medicine, I think we profited like $23,000. So, I mean, we didn't come up with a loss the first year, but we didn't really make a lot of money. Um, but we took that $23,000 and reinvested every penny back into opportunities to learn. And so what I took from that is people talk about investing in a lot of different things, uh, whether that's, you know, your retirement, the stock market, real estate, crypto nowadays. Um, and all of those things are, although you can have some control, especially some assets like real estate, you don't have full control over the market or the outcomes. But if you invest in yourself, you have a fairly good control on where that money is going and what it could possibly lead to. Um, so especially early on, um, when the money isn't coming in that great and you might not have a lot of experience, try to invest in yourself first. Um, at least, you know, if you invest in yourself and try to build your own business or try to build your own education, um, what your value is, cause you'll see very clearly if you get something back out of it. And I can tell you that you know, $23,000 that Brennan and I spent that year in going to courses and reading and learning. Um, we immediately saw a jump in our income following that because 
you know, the skills, the knowledge that we gained over that year, 2014, 2015, um, from uh, reinvesting all those earnings completely jump-started our career from an educational standpoint. I had done, you know, probably over the course of that year, six educational courses. I read away more books because I could afford to buy them um, from this extra stream of income, right? And, and, you know, it really helped us kind of build our business, Movement as Medicine, because then we started to get more clients. Um, and, and behind all of that, I think, kind of goes back to this idea that Brendan and I, and whenever the book Start With Why came out, we had said to each other, we have to sit and we have to define our why. You know, Simon Sinek says, you need your why to be able to stand out. Uh, conventional businesses and conventional people uh, start with what? They're very, they're, they talk about their process, the things, uh, they talk about how they do things. They don't necessarily talk about why they do things, but extraordinary businesses and extraordinary people start with why. And he uses the example um, of Apple, right? Apple doesn't say that we build computers. They don't say that we build phones. Um, they, they don't say that we build headphones. They say that they are there for innovation, right? They started out, they didn't define themselves as a computer company because if they just define themselves narrowly as a computer company, then they probably wouldn't have built the iPad. They probably wouldn't have built the iPhone. They probably wouldn't have built the headphones that you might be listening to this in right now, but they define themselves as uh, people who wanted to innovate in the technology, technological space. And that allows them a lot of different what's in house because they're very clear on their why. And so Brennan and I sat down and we said, how can we define our why um, to maximize our impact and our potential? And we sat down and we said, we want to use fitness to impact as many lives as possible and spread the value of physical activity and great coaching as far as we possibly can. Notice we didn't say, I want to be a personal trainer or a strength coach because that might limit your potential or what you might view the potential is for yourself. When I first started at Mike Boyle Strength Conditioning, that was my why. Um, but I thought I'm just going to coach high school kids every day. And that's awesome, right? Because that was fulfilling my why at the time. But over time, your why might change or your what or how might change, I should say. So my why stayed the same. After a while, I started doing more personal training. So I was doing group training, but I started doing more personal training. My why was still the same. I wanted to spread the potential for great coaching and fitness and health, physical activity and health to as many people as possible. I've reached a few more people when I started personal training. Then eventually, Brian and I started running the internship program at MBSC. So we're group coaching, we're personal training, and we're educating the interns. Group of 20 interns in the summer, six to 10 the rest of the year, each semester. Um, and our impact got a little bit bigger, but my why stayed the same. So exponentially, our reach gets a little bit bigger. We're still sticking to the idea that we want to help and spread great coaching and physical activity to as many people as possible. Because if I do a great job coaching these interns and they go and help people based on the things that I taught them, my reach goes a little bit further. Then from there, we start to get opportunities to do mentorships. Uh, we host mentorships in MBSC where coaches will come in for a week or two. We'll do education with them. Mike gives Brendan and I an opportunity to start to teach there. There goes my reach a little bit further. Probably about 100 people a year would come through from mentorships. They go to coach more people. My reach grows. My why stays the same. Now, fast forward a couple more years, we started Certified Functional Strength Coach with Kevin Larrabee and Mike and Bob. And 
you know, fast forward now, we have almost 12,000 coaches that we've worked with around the world. They work with more people. Our reach has grown even further. My why hasn't changed since the day I started, since the day that Brennan and I defined that back in like 2009, 2008, whenever we read that book, um, our why was still to spread the benefits of great coaching and fitness activity and general activity to as many people as possible. That was my why. And it's still my why, but my how and my what has changed. And so I think if you can clearly define what you're passionate about and what you really care about and the impact that you want to have in this industry, how you deliver it might change. That's fine. That's how your careers grow. That's how you grow as people. That's how you learn, develop new skills. But you're going to stick probably to the thing that you're passionate about all the way through. If you just define yourself as a personal trainer or a strength coach, you put a ceiling on yourself. I'm still the very much those things. I coached people today. I worked with clients one-on-one today. I worked with clients in groups today. But my ultimate mission and the potential for my mission grows as you start to grow as an individual and as you start to grow in your career. And it's still going to be fueled by the why that got you there in the first place. And so I challenge anybody that's listening to this to really sit down. And if you haven't read Start With Why, go and read it. Um, because he has a lot of great examples from the Wright brothers to Apple to um, a million different companies or people that were very clear on their why and how that fueled them to achieve the things that they were doing, even in the face of adversity or the faces of changes when they had to pivot or try new things, they stuck to their why. So if you're listening to this now, what I would encourage you to do is to really sit down and try to define the impact or the why behind what you're doing. You know, why making money is not a why. That's a result of doing a good job. That's a result of any of doing anything for a job. But that's not a why. Ultimately, money won't keep you going all the time when you're tired or you're not passionate about what you do. There's a lot of people who make a lot of money who hate what they do. Um, but a why is what gets you up in the morning. What motivates you to do your work every day when you're tired, um, when you not necessarily want to be there, when you run into problems. And if you can clearly define that, and I tell you, write it down. Don't just think it in your head. Make it a little bit stronger. Put it down on paper. Um, that it'll fuel you to be more passionate long-term. And it'll leave much more potential for growth in your career uh, going forward. And so I really hope that you listening to this, take the time to write that down. Because for me... I didn't think, you know, when I was, you know, 19, 20 years old, starting out in this industry, that I would be traveling and teaching all over the world, that I would own multiple businesses um, in the fitness space for both education for coaches, education for the layperson. I didn't think that I would write a book. Um, but these are opportunities that came to me that were true to the, my belief system and the reason that, you know, we started doing this in the first place. And so I would really encourage you to take the time to do that. Um, and in, with that in mind, as your career grows, you have to be willing to start to develop new skills. You have to be willing to start to continue to learn and think about where do you need to spend your time? Cause it will change, right? As, uh, my how and my what changed in my career, I had to learn business skills. Um, when I want to start a podcast, I had to learn how to set up a podcast. How am I recording this right now? So you have to have a growth mindset that accompanies your why to help you to continue to grow. You're not going to get to the next level of your career by just continuing to read programming books. 
and to read anatomy books. And that's not to say you shouldn't do that. I love the science of this. And that's really where I like to spend a lot of my time in, in reading. But at some point, you get diminishing returns as you want your career to grow. And so if you want to continue to grow your impact, you have to learn communication skills, public speaking skills, presentation skills, business skills, accounting, marketing, leadership, growth. All of these things that are going to make you successful are going to take more work, just different types of work as you grow. Um, the same things that got me uh, successful from, you know, 25 to 30 are not going to be the same things that help me be successful from 30 to 40. And so you need to continue to sit down and reevaluate where you need to spend your time from a professional development and personal development standpoint to continue to level yourself up. And I can say uh, with certainty, I've spent most of my time in the last few years thinking about how to be a better leader, how to be a better communicator, how to be a better business person. Um, and that's led me to places in my career that I never could have imagined that I would have now. And so I would say if you're a young person listening to this now, go find people to learn from, find people um, that are going to encourage you to be passionate about the things that you care about, the things that wake you up in the morning, the things that are behind your why, because they're going to help you grow faster and they're going to support you in doing so. Don't surround yourself with people who don't support what you want. You might have friends that you grew up with. You might even have family members that you grew up with who don't see the value. When you tell them you want to be a personal trainer, shipping and conditioning coach, those are the people that ask you, well, so what are you going to do for a real job? Or how long are you going to do this for before you you know, go back to school and try something else? Um, you don't need to be surrounded by those people, right? You should find people who encourage you to chase your passions um, and try to build that career that you want. And so find that tribe, find the people that I found at MBSC who really helped pick me up and show me the potential that I could possibly have. From there, clearly define what it is that you really want and every day go after that. And you, when I say that every day, that means you're going to have to work really hard. You're going to have to work long days. You're going to be tired. Um, you're going to see friends who might be making more money than you maybe working in finance or working in real estate. And that's okay because you're probably happier than them. And at some point, you're, if you keep working really hard, you'll get there. Um, th there's a quote that I remember hearing that says, no man who rises before the sun every day will fail to feed his family. If you continue to work hard and continue to pursue towards your passion, the financial peace will come. You might have to be smart and learn how to budget and learn how to save, learn about personal finance. That's something they don't teach us very much in school. And when I talk about the learning about skills that you need to be successful, um, as you get older, financial acumen is certainly one of them. If I didn't learn how to invest, if I didn't learn how to save, if I didn't learn how to manage uh, my finances personally, I wouldn't have opportunities that I have now. Uh, money isn't everything, but money provides opportunities. And if you have a little bit of financial freedom, it allows you to pursue things probably a little bit more freely um, than if you do not have that. Continue to grow and build and develop skills you haven't had before. Um, and I'll tell you right now, you too can have a successful career in the fitness industry. I know people always say we don't get in this to make a lot of money, um, but you can make a really good living. I think if you go about it the right way, it's just not going to be an overnight success. I'm turning 35 in the next, in about two weeks here. Um, and I'll tell you, I've been doing this now since I was about 19. Um, 
I mean, I had a nice early start. Uh, very fortunate that, like I said, starting at MBSC. But that's, you know, 16 years of work um, that has got me to the point that I am now that I can look around and say, I'm pretty proud of what I've done so far. And I still have big plans going forward. And so I hope that maybe my story, um, all this was brief and I just kind of blurted for the last, you know, 40 minutes or so, um, can maybe give you a little bit of inspiration um, and a little bit of guidance um, based off the things that I've done. And so um, I know this was just kind of me, you know, going on a blurb for a little while here, but if you enjoy this and you have questions based on the things that I've talked about here today, please, 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 please send an email to me at coachkevincarr at gmail.com. And I'd be happy um, when I get Brendan back here for us to do an even more expanded version of this episode where we really talk about our career um, in fitness. Um, like I said, over the next coming weeks, I have some great guests coming on um, that I really think you're going to enjoy. Um, so stay tuned. Um, as far as what we have coming up um, on the calendar, uh, we have some CFSC events coming up this this weekend here. By the time you're hearing this, this will be going on. We have CFSC Level 1 in Utah with EOS Fitness. CFSC Level 1 this coming weekend as well. Um, the, the 30th and 31st in New York City with Momentum Fitness. Um, Brendan uh, just spoke at Perform Better. I'm going to be speaking at Perform Better the last weekend in August uh, in Providence. I'm going to be giving a talk on nonspecific low back pain or coaching low back pain for the fitness professional, how you can manage people with general back pain, how you can program, how you can collaborate with fitness professionals and health professionals to get the best outcomes pro uh, possible. So if you're in the Northeast and you want to attend a uh, Perform Better event, we're going to be there in Providence that final weekend in August, and I hope to see you all there. So... Thank you for listening. I know this was a shorter episode, but we're going to have a bunch more coming at you in the near future. So thanks for tuning in and I'll talk to you soon.